Our gospel reading for today is from Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this must be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And so now, gracious God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth May the meditations of all of our hearts together in this place and in all places be found pleasing to you. O Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. And in my hour of darkness, she is standing right in front of me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. Let it be, let it be, let it be, let it be. Whisper words of wisdom, let it be. When Paul McCartney reflects back on writing Let It Be back in 1968, he says it was actually during one of the hardest seasons of his life. The Beatles were on the verge of breaking up over a nightmare of creative disagreements, business squabbles, and personality clashes, and McCartney didn't know how in the world he was going to find his way forward. But one night, he says, somewhere between deep sleep and insomnia, I had the most comforting dream about my mother, Mary, who died when I was 14. She had been a nurse, my mom, and very hardworking because she always wanted what was best for us. We weren't a well-off family, but my mom was a very comforting presence in my life. 
When she died, one of the difficulties I had all the years later was that I couldn't recall her face so easily. But in this dream, 12 years later, my mother appeared and there was her face completely clear, especially her eyes. And she said to me gently and reassuringly, let it be. It was lovely. I woke up with a great feeling. It was like she had visited me at this very difficult point in my life and gave me this message. Be gentle. Don't fight things. Just try and let it go and all will be well. Let it be. So being a musician, he says, I went right over to the piano and started writing a song. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me speaking words of wisdom, let it be. Later, it became the title of the album because it had so much value to me, he says, because it seems so definitive, those three little syllables. But before long, the song became almost like a hymn. We sang it at a friend's memorial service, and after September 11th, the radio started playing it nonstop. So these words, let it be, are really special to me, not only because my mom brought them to me in a dream, he says, to reassure me at a difficult time in my life, but also because we put them into a song with the Beatles, and it became a healing statement for the world. This is the story that Paul McCartney shares whenever he is asked what inspired the song, Let It Be. But it is also true that over the years, many people have heard another story within this song. Within Mother Mary's words of wisdom, they have heard Mary's words to the angel Gabriel in the Gospel of Luke. Because when Mary finds out that she will give birth to the Savior of the world, her response to this overwhelming news is, let it be. Now, she's not using these words in a naive or nonchalant way. She doesn't throw her hands up in the air and say, fine, whatever you say, God. Instead, she is making a statement of trust that God will make a way. And so she faithfully and bravely says to the angel, let it be, let it be with me according to what you have said. Now it's important to note that Mary isn't the only person in the Bible who receives a divine visit like this one. Numerous scholars have written about the parallels between Mary's story in Luke 1 and many of our Old Testament call narratives, like the call of Moses, Isaiah, and Gideon. And yet Mary's story stands out in a significant way among the other ones. For starters, she's not a man. She's not a priest, not prominent or well-to-do in society, and she's probably not even considered to be an adult. Mary was likely around 14, maybe 16 years old. There are very few reasons anyone would have expected someone like her to be called favored by God, much less to be chosen to be the mother of God's son. But what especially sets Mary's story apart from the others is her response to God's call. 
For instance, when God calls Moses to deliver the Hebrew people from Pharaoh, Moses' response is to hide his face from God, making one objection after another until finally he just says, please, Lord, send somebody else. And then when God calls Gideon to take down the altar of Baal and to build an altar to the Lord instead, the text says he was too afraid of his family and the townspeople to do it by day, so he did it by night instead, so that no one else would see or know it was him. Moses' response can be considered cowardly, and Gideon's is fearful, but it is Mary, this teenage girl, who bravely invites God to do what God is intending to do with her, trusting that God will make a way. Friends, in what ways do you and I need to share in Mary's words today? How is God inviting us to let it be? Trusting and hoping that God will make a way forward even when we cannot see it whole. Of course, this is so much easier said than done, right? Especially after a year like this one. More often than not, I find myself saying, How long, O Lord, rather than let it be, O Lord? But it's important to acknowledge just how hard it would have been for Mary to voice these words in the midst of her situation, too. It would have been an incredible risk for Mary to have a baby. She literally could have been stoned to death if Joseph were to go public with this news that she was having a child that wasn't his. And she has no idea how he will respond when she tells him this outlandish, impossible, unexplainable thing that has just happened to her. We women have a hard enough time with people believing us in the year 2020. Think how hard it must have been on women who had the audacity to try to share their stories back then. And culturally speaking, this certainly wasn't an easy time to bring a baby into this world either, especially a teenage girl living in poverty. As Madeline Lingle once wrote, this was no time for a child to be born in a land in the crushing grip of Rome. Honor and truth were trampled to scorn, yet here did the Savior make his home. When is the time for love to be born? The inn is full on the planet Earth, and by a comet the sky is torn, yet love still takes on the risk of birth. You see, friends, the beauty of Christmas is that love still takes on the risk of birth in this world. That over 2,000 years later, God is still coming to us unexpectedly, still paying us a divine house call, still inviting us to be part of God's story. Our God still takes the risk of being born in us. And when we realize this, Mary's conversation with Gabriel suddenly becomes our own. Because God is approaching each of us saying, will you give birth to me in this world? And the question is, what will our response be? I love how Barbara Brown Taylor describes this situation. 
She says we each have a similar choice to make in our own lives. To say yes or no. Yes, I will live this life that is being held out to me. Or no, I will not. Yes, I will explore this unexpected turn of events. Or no, I will not. You can say no to your life, Taylor says. But you can also rest assured that no angels will ever trouble to visit you again. Or you can decide to say yes. You can decide to be a daredevil, a test pilot, a gambler. You can set your book down and listen to a strange creature's strange idea. You can decide to take part in a plan you did not choose, doing things you do not know how to do for reasons you do not entirely understand. You can take part in a thrilling and dangerous scheme with no script and no guarantees. You can agree to smuggle God into the world inside your own body. I paused as I read these words by Barbara Brown Taylor this week because I immediately remembered reading them around this same time last year. I was reading this text, preparing for the fourth Sunday of Advent back at my church in Texas, But in the back of my mind, I knew I had a decision to make. Because that same week, Bob Cunningham had called me to let me know I was one of the final candidates to be pastor here, and the search committee would be planning a trip to Waco after the holidays if I wanted to move forward, if I would say yes. And I'll be honest, up until this point, I really didn't think this conversation with Highland would go anywhere serious. I was preparing myself for a much different phone call that day. So this invitation from the search committee totally caught me by surprise. And I won't tell you that Bob Cunningham was like the angel Gabriel for me in that moment, because I think that might just go to his head. Nor do I want to compare myself to Mary or make myself the hero of the story. If anything, I share this story to highlight what a difficult choice it is for all of us when we are faced with an unexpected turn of events in life without any guaranteed outcome. When a new possibility is placed before us as risky as it might seem, Let it be may only be three syllables, but these are challenging words for us to voice when we are at a turning point in our lives. And in my case, little did I know that saying yes would ultimately mean not getting to tell my church family and friends goodbye, moving across the country during a global pandemic, and beginning a new pastorate in a new city at a time when we still can't be together face to face. And yet I do know this, as hard of a year as it has been, saying yes has given birth to hope and to new life and new possibilities and new relationships in ways that I never could have imagined at the time. Because when I ask myself where I find hope 
in this weary world right now. I find it in you, Highland. I find it in the God I see in each and every one of you. Mary's words are really quite prophetic. And once we have the courage to say them, like Mary, we are never quite the same again. In fact, after Mary said them, our world was never quite the same again. And unlike Moses or Gideon or some of our other Old Testament friends, Mary gets to have the last word in her story. Here I am, God. Let it be with me according to your word, is how today's reading ends. And the next thing we know is that the word became flesh and dwelled among us. May it be so of us, Highland. Let it be. Amen. Thank you.